1: Democrats are set to take control of the U.S. Senate, House, and the White House. This will go down as one of the most progressive administrations in American history.
0: God willing, everything is on the table.
2: You now can pass things without a filibuster
0: threat.
1: You'll regret this, and you may regret it a lot sooner than you think.
0: You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness.
3: Oh, welcome. Welcome to the Ruthless Variety Program. A lot of variety. Outstanding.
2: outstanding. That's how you start it. Welcome welcome to the Miami edition of Ruthless, folks. Well
0: done, sir. Mr. Duncan crooning our way into a big week. It's incredible the things you guys can convince me to do. (laughs) You know, I mean, when you're not cyberbullying me about soccer, you're convincing me to sing these ridiculous songs.
3: Well, look, we got a big week and we've got part of the team that's on the road here. We got Smug and a crew that's down in Miami. We needed to bring up some kind of a, I think, geographically appropriate rhythm to the week. And and
0: you did it. It's fair. No, look, I'm a willing participant. I act like I don't like it, but I love hearing the sound of my... Yeah, right. I love it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Voice of an angel, folks. We have always told you and he delivers.
3: Always delivers. Smug, what are you going to do down in Florida anyway?
2: So, I mean, it's it's an exciting time, as, as folks know. Uh, I, I am Probably by the time they listen to this, I will be in the free state of Florida, specifically in Miami, the beautiful beaches. Um, so the situation essentially is, as folks already know, uh, Governor DeSantis has done a great job fighting COVID down there, but specifically the mayor of Miami has essentially just let word go out that they are not only open for business but they welcome businesses um and that has of course you know been noticed by a lot of a, a lot of the tech folks uh you know a lot of people in in who are venture capitalists who who are who are creating these these startups have the choice of you can be in San Francisco where i mean it speaks for itself. You can be in San Francisco or you can be in Miami where the weather is great and the people are welcoming of your business. And, you know, not to mention the tax situation is far better.
3: Well, I hope they don't bring their voting behavior to Miami. We don't need any more of that.
2: Right. Yeah. Hopefully they get the lesson from that, but uh, you know, shout out to, so dealing at founders fund uh, put out that tweet where he was like, so we're thinking of, of maybe moving Silicon Valley. Why not to Miami? And the mayor of Miami was like, how can I help, you know? So, uh, you know, Keith over at Founders Fund also, Keith was like the spearhead of this movement. And it's just, it's really actually happening. Like it's unofficially tech week in Miami where all these people who want to create jobs and create businesses are just flocking to this beautiful sunny city where, you know, crazily enough, businesses are welcome. What a radical idea.
0: I saw I saw some tweet that someone I can't remember who, but posted saying, you know, the new SF, SF being San Francisco, the new SF is South Florida, which is it's wild. Uh, you it's love wild. to see it. You love to see yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, love
3: to see it as long as they've checked the voting behavior. That's right. Right. I mean, look don't at, for, like,
2: don't forget how you got here.
3: I mean, like, look what happened to Texas. They were so welcoming of tech. All of a sudden it got competitive over there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope the folks moving to Miami, you know, remember so, so, so to begin with, Miami has been incredibly like anti-socialism, anti-communism, given, you know, the Cuban population there. They know communism is bad. Yeah, they know it. Yeah. Better than the folks in, in San Francisco who are championing it because, you know, their Ivy League school said actually communism is good. But it's, <laughs> good, it, it's good to see Miami is actually creating an environment that says, hey, maybe starting a business and creating jobs is a good thing.
0: You it's so funny understand. you say that. It's so funny you say that smug because uh the UFC was just in Florida too. And um there was a really amazing like uh, uh bout during uh during UFC there's this Lithuanian oh, yeah, I, fighter. I saw this. Yeah, yeah, Thug Thug Rose, this Lithuanian strongman. What a great fighter, name, man.
2: Dude, That's a UFC dude,
0: name. so she she has this like high flying kick to the face of her opponent and just downs (laughs) her in the first round. If you haven't seen the reaction meme that's going around of Joe Rogan in the front row, just like losing his mind, like Joe Rogan on ayahuasca or something, you know, the guy's just like bug eyed. It's incredible. But there was a little bit of controversy with, uh, with Thug Rose. Uh, She had said um, you know, she's Lithuanian and, and her, you know, her family obviously dealt with communism under the Soviet union. She had made a comment that, you know, it's, it's better dead than red, which is, you know, the famous <laughs> anti-communist slogan. And everyone tried to get her to apologize. And she like, you know what? No, no, I'm not going to. Really? It's no, so based. I loved it. They're like, then, listen, people folk, didn't like it. No, you they to hated
2: apologize it. Apologize because we wouldn't want to offend communists, you know, I Actually, mean, communism is good. This is the, this is the situation we're in now where people are like, hey, folks, you you can't say mean things about communism. Unbelievable.
3: Right. You can yeah. you can kneel during the national anthem, but heaven forbid you say something negative about communism. Good for her. Yeah. You know? Good for her. The more I was thinking about, you're talking about how the, the new SF is South Florida. I'm thinking that red state governors ought to put together some kind of a. Uh, like a testing requirement for people moving out of California. You know, like, yeah, we've got all like the, to become an American citizen, you actually have to pass some pretty rigorous stuff. Uh, I think red staters ought to band together and like just a series of like 10 questions that deal with your social and economic
2: politics. Or like quarantine be like, you have to quarantine for a number of years <laughs> until we can be sure that you're not trying to, you know, bring the communism here. folks.
3: No voting until we see your, your lifestyle.
2: I mean it's 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 really shocking, like especially in the tech community. Like uh again, that guy Delian, who I mentioned, uh, he he put out this tweet where he was like at Founders Fund, we we want to make clear that we love America. And you look at the replies, and so many folks are like, Wow, that's that's kind of a crazy thing to say. Jeez. Seriously. That they were like, I can't believe you would say such a thing. Like, really? That's where we've gotten? Like, there was that situation where I think it was like the Jedi contract with the Defense Department that like Microsoft, Amazon, all these tech companies were trying to provide the, like, infrastructure for the Defense Department to modernize, you know, uh, operations. And the employees at Microsoft and Amazon are like, no, we don't want to help the U.S. government. Unbelievable. Are you serious? You, You think any Chinese company is like, yeah, we don't want to help the Chinese government? It's almost like unilaterally disarming, you know, that, hey, hey, folks, you know, we know... China's getting up there in quantum computing and, and they have concentration camps open. We absolutely should not try to stop them. We have to just let them do whatever they want and not help our government.
3: It's, it's just mind blowing to me. I, I don't understand when this happened, right? Like the country is, is very divided. We know that in the last election, it's basically a 50 50 uh, country. But then you look at some of these corporations, they're like, well, we're, we're being responsive to our workforce. Who the fuck are these guys hiring? Like, are they just going straight Berkeley? Everybody comes out of there? I mean, yikes, right? Because there's no divided at all if you're worried that your actual employee base doesn't like the country.
2: and, And I think a lot of it is they have no clue what they're doing. Like, you saw that case in Georgia where, like, what, 90 CEOs got on this call where they're like, yes, we oppose this, even though New York has more restrictive voting laws uh, we think this is yeah, right. uh, Jim Crow 2.0. Like even Stacey Abrams went back and was like, okay, actually guys, this isn't good that we had the all-star game leave uh, too late, too late. And and like Coca-Cola tried walking it back and being like, okay, maybe this wasn't a good idea too late, way too late.
3: You know, at, at the risk of sounding like a million years old, I mean, this is sort of a generational failure in a lot of ways. I mean, for those of us who entered the workforce, you know, in a time other than this, like your whole personal development, your professional development kind of went hand in hand, right? And you knew that you weren't supposed to like, I don't know, shoot at the C-suite from within right. your own company right. because, you know, it's just kind of bad for business. And so, you know, you learned some things. You didn't speak first. And so over time, you were like, hey, you know what? Those things that I kind of thought about when I was 22 years old probably weren't fully informed.
2: Well, I I think it's kind of like trickling down where, you know, the inmates are running the prison. You look at like the New York times slack is now like the de facto boss over there. Like if the New York times slack is like, communism is good. uh, You need to stop Tom Cotton saying that uh, we (gasps) stop rioting and killing people. Mm. It's a problem. It's a big problem. And, And I think so many of
3: the chief executives in this country that are responsive to it, are, they only govern their companies politically based out of fear, right? Because they know that the only way you can get in trouble is if you actually are protested by the left and your employees uprise and, you know, the media writes about it. Any concern that you have from the right of center is dealt with responsibly and appropriately, right? Because they have a job. They understand that like, this is the protocol that they're supposed to operate. That's the, like the essence of being a conservative, but like at some point conservatives are going to need to break some China. I think so. You know, like at some point conservatives, and I, I don't know that it comes from within, but it, it needs to be there. It needs to be wholesale effort to remind people that we're half the country, guys.
2: We're yeah. half the country. Yeah. Just because the New York Times and the Washington Post are like, actually, communism is good. No, like we don't need them talking down to the rest of America. And you're seeing the result of this. You, You look at the census. Blue states are losing congressional seats because people want to leave that. You look at who has done an actually horrible job of COVID, you've got Michigan, you've got California, you've got New York. Meanwhile, the press was like, oh my gosh, DeSantis is killing all these people. No, DeSantis was vaccinating senior citizens while Cuomo was putting senior citizens with COVID into nursing homes to kill everybody. It's pretty clear you know, that all the messaging that came from the media about how like, oh, you know, thank God we live in a blue state where everything is responsible, and like, uh, it was nonsense, all, it was nonsense. Absolute nonsense. The late night shows, which were like Cuomo's was a hero. Well, we saw what, what happened there. He, he was sending, he was sending hospital personnel from the state to go help his brother who were originally assigned to nursing homes. And and they turned this guy into a hero. It's, it's unbelievable.
3: It, I mean, the information media and the pop culture in this country is so divorced from reality, it's crazy. We're going to bring in Hollywood Hen later because we got to talk about that with the Oscars last night and everything else, which were absolutely atrocious. But there's a story that we simply must get to first.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is this is a hell of a story. Go go for it. I was, I was stunned when this came up.
3: A Japanese man has been arrested after reportedly dating more than 35 women at the same time. He did this in order to get birthday gifts from all of them. <laughs> So, basically, in essence, what this dude did is, and this story is is out of Yahoo News, but this, story, this guy had 35 different girlfriends, and he would stagger his reported birthday uh, to each of them, right? So, like, 35
2: weeks out of the year, he'd get presents. <laughs> what a play. This is incredible, <laughs> really. I mean, to be like, make the whole focus of like, okay... I like birthday presents. How do we make this how do we make this happen? I'm <laughs> guessing 35 girlfriends is a good approach. It's the worst possible approach. Like it's I don't a, it's a anybody. wild approach. It's a wild approach. I like I'm going to honestly applaud the guy because the logistics of pulling that off are wild. I was about to are say, wild. like,
0: what's what sort of like project management software do you <laughs> yeah. have to use to track all this? You know, I mean, does he have like Asana or Basecamp or one of these other technologies? It's like constant contact to manage. <laughs> can you imagine, list. can you imagine his like Google Calendar? It's gonna be bonkers.
2: It's gotta be bonkers. Like how? I the mean,
0: logistics is what I
2: want to know. Because like honestly, if I were this guy, I'd be like, I can start a company that's just like, you know, client management.
3: This guy should be the CEO.
2: Yeah, because thirty-five, like, folks, one girlfriend is a lot to take care. You know, you have to remember a lot of shit. Thirty-five—that's impossible. Mind-blowing. Impossible. Now I'm guessing he wasn't wildly attentive. Right. I'm guessing that the the, the maybe that's the secret to the success. That the flow. He's a man of mystery. Like, wow, he doesn't respond. Maybe if I send him a birthday present, this guy's (laughs) gonna respond to my text. I figured it out.
3: He was like, he mastered the hard to get game, yeah. but it was only
2: because he didn't have the time.
3: And here's the thing. Like I look at like Foldy, very talented young man. Is there any way that he could manage 35 different women? No chance. No, no way.
2: No chance. No chance. No chance Foldy could pull that off. I mean, this, I think number one, this is, this is a very special guy. To pull off the 35 it just gets me that like his his focus of this was like i just want birthday presents like what a, what a wild end game he was like so here's the thing i'm gonna have 35 girlfriends and everyone's like all right i'm listening <laughs> and i just get birthday presents <laughs> I, that's like the last then you expect to be like the end game of the shenanigans yeah
3: maybe it's like what yahoo chose to focus on in their, <laughs> in their thing right like but there's no in the piece there's no sign of sexual deviance yeah like, that's not the guy
2: just like the birthday presents it's you like, know what I, I can't knock a guy there are people who are like responding they're like you know like a lot of people don't run that scam of like you give your different birth dates like company so you can have like a free drink at the bar or whatever this guy he just took it to the next level he was like i just want 35 presents 35 girlfriends Incredible. Well, I, I know that
0: the yahoo story mentions that he went on some dates and stuff you know go to a restaurant go to the park whatever but i have to believe that covid made this uniquely possible right
2: that's a oh, great yeah, point you know, that's so that a great he, point he
0: could be like yeah you know it's hard for me to get out you know, or, 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 oh, he could just tell, he could tell all of them individually at different times that, you know, he tested positive, right. Oh, to buy by himself some oh. a few weeks,
3: but dude, but even in that, you got to keep track, right. You're like, Oh, you,
2: you, this name is highlighted in red on my phone because right. I already played the code. It's gotta be constant contact right. or something. Th- this is like one of those Budweiser real men of genius. <laughs> this, this, this should be like, honestly, nominee 2021 ruthless man of the year. Guy I'd like to find 35 him. girlfriends. Yeah, seriously. We should try to have him on the show. I have no idea
3: if this gentleman <laughs> speaks English or not, but he has things to teach the American people. Yeah,
2: I mean 30. This is this is like an Olympic level, you know, uh accomplishment. 35 girlfriends, and he got the 35 birthday presents. Well never, kudos. never. honestly, kudos
3: to this guy. It's like it's like the Ripkin record. It'll never be <laughs> down. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. I love it. All right. So this, the, the other thing that caught my eye that we should bri- probably briefly touch on is uh, is what you were flagging this week about uh, the Supreme Court smug.
2: Well yet again, you know everyone is talking about Supreme Court Chief Justice Clarence Thomas. <laughs> I want to say like there were a lot of upsides of, of President Trump, but the lasting thing is going to be the decision maker at the Supreme Court is no longer Roberts it's it's Clarence Thomas.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, it. It. It's what it appears. That's the thing. He's
2: got the troops now to make the calls. The five force are going to go Clarence Thomas's way, and now you, you've got a defense of the Second Amendment. Like word came out that the Supreme Court is going to take a look at a case involving concealed carry, and we all know. You look at the presidents. Clarence Thomas is based. He's with it on that. He defends the Constitution. Huge. Huge deal.
0: Yeah. Huge deal. Yeah.
2: Like already, you saw like left wing groups being like, "Oh my gosh," uh, th- th- their approach always, as usual, is uh, we need to we need to pack the courts or uh, Kavanaugh is like uh, an illegitimate uh, Supreme Court justice. Like they right. they they're, they're out of excuses, and like every time the Second Amendment has come up in front of the Supreme Court, it's won. And now on top of that, we've got uh, Chief Justice.
3: Yeah, it's President time Harris. to. Time to pay the cocaine Mitch Piper for a lot of these issues. It's, uh looks a lot 6-3. Lot I did like, you know, from last week with Mike Lee's strategy of putting you on the court.
2: I'm done. A great idea. I mean, it would just be copy-paste. Justice <laughs> Thomas telling me what to say. Yeah, I got you covered. I'm the vote. Uh, you know, I'm the vote in your pocket. But if you're listening, Justice Breyer, you know, do not retire. Not right Live now. On. Just a few more years. Then you feel free to retire. Just a few more
3: years. Just a few more years. Uh, all right. So let's get to this nonsense uh, about we were talking pop culture and everything else. You know, the Oscars happened on Sunday. Not that anybody would know it. Um, but so we know what we're talking about. Let's bring in Hollywood Hen.
4: I'm here, guys. And uh, ready to report that I, like most of America, did not watch the Oscars. I <laughs> <laughs> Um
0: the I did not watch Hollywood them.
4: Correspondent
3: not I, did, watch
4: I did not watch the Oscars because they're boring and none of the movies are good. And I don't want to be lectured by Hollywood. That's oh. pretty much it. But I was not the only one who did not watch. Um they reported that the Oscars was down 58% in viewership. Wow. And under <sighs> 10 million viewers for the first time ever. Ever. Oh, wow. So you know I what? Think
2: that sounds familiar. So the Oscars are down 50%. CNN is down 50%. I really think without without Trump, there's just like no content. Because normally you'd have like Hollywood, you'd have CNN, they'd be like, hey guys, Trump is bad. And then it's just like round of applause you know, from the audience. Yep. Now it's like, wh- what are we tuning in for?
4: Yeah, I think also, didn't I just see last week that the NBA numbers are down too? Nobody wants yeah. to, people want to watch movies and watch sports and not hear woke speeches from out of touch celebrities yeah
0: everything's down hen and and you know we were we touched on the georgia law and mlb it was also recently reported that mlb's net favorability this is an axios mlb's net favorability rating among republicans went from 47 percent to 12 oh Oh my gosh (sighs) whoa 12 Wow.
4: I would I would just like to, before we get into some of the movies, I would like to call out, there was one exception to the woke speeches, and that was Tyler Perry. Um, mm-hmm. He made a speech um, speaking to the whole country, the whole world, about how it's time for all of us to stop hating each other. Um, and he said... I refuse to hate someone because they're Mexican or because they're black or white or LGBTQ. I refuse to hate somebody because they're a police officer wow. or because they're Asian. I would hope that we would all refuse to hate.
0: He said police um, officer. That means he's going to be canceled.
2: Yeah, that yeah. is Honestly, that is, that's it's sad, but that's pretty brave. Like in Hawaii I know.
4: I know. But, and after especially wild. after all the other speeches that were given apparently last night, I don't even know. Because I didn't watch, but I can only imagine what these other people. Well, I got to tell
3: you, he's one of the few guys you can't cancel
2: in that regard, right? I mean, that is a
3: powerful
4: player. I mean,
2: it's it's wild because it's like I bet a bunch of Hollywood folks like, "Whoa, wait a minute! Actually, cops are bad." While there's like a battalion of police officers outside guarding, right? You know, the uh, the Oscar ceremonies, right? Right. Well, but good for him. I
4: mean.
3: At least somebody said, "You know what else I like is that that's the only thing that we took out of the damn show." I know. You know. I mean, it's
4: just it's just I can't even watch the fashion or the get ready with me's. They're all so they're just so boring at this point.
2: It was an actual so they did like an in person. Yeah, thermo? they did in
4: person. Um and there was a carpet and But you know, at this point we just live in a different world where if you want to learn about celebrities Pre-Oscar beauty routine. It's like it's on their Instagram live or their YouTube. Or, yeah. you know, you don't have to tune in for the actual, the actual yeah. show anymore. Joan
3: Rivers yeah. isn't isn't there any longer.
4: No, yeah. and they try to do that on E with their red carpet, but it's just not the same. They've already posted all their dresses on Instagram. I've already seen it.
2: Yeah, I, I really didn't even know until this segment. And I was like, oh wow, really? It was the Oscars, and I'm typically, you know, a big film guy. I I, I love watching movies. I you know, last year. It, like what was out in theaters, you know, it's kind of hard to have films out in theaters when there's a pandemic, but then to top it off, like I hadn't heard of any of these films. That
3: were listed. <laughs> yeah. I
4: was going to say, I wonder if any of you guys have even watched or heard of any of the films that were nominated for best picture. Well,
2: I don't know. Na- name some of them. Who are the winners? Who are these people?
4: Okay. He- well, here, here's some of the, nom- some of the nominees. One, um, the father, Anybody heard of The Father?
2: I, no. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Legit never have heard of that film. What is that even about?
4: I don't know. <laughs> oh, wait. None? That's the one with Anthony Hopkins.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. The father, the, the father sounds like it's like a prequel to The Godfather. <laughs> you know, something I, like that. You know, like, see, I would watch that. I would watch that. Well, you know, I, I think what <laughs> you could do it like an alternative history of Godfather Part 2 where Michael never returns from Sicily and he just stays with Apollonia forever. It's <laughs> just like the end. <laughs> the end of
2: this? I'd less maybe watch film. that. No, yeah. I actually, no, 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 no. Now I remember I had heard of this film because Anthony Hopkins won uh, Best Actor and they all thought it would go to Chadwick Boseman, who was, who was Black Panther, and sadly he died. And everyone thought the film that he was nominated for, they'd be like, okay, well, he definitely gets Best Actor. But then Anthony Hopkins wins and and he doesn't even show up. And they didn't know he hadn't shown up so they're like best actor wait anthony hopkins and they're like they're like looking around like uh he's not here folks, that's the show <laughs> that's the show folks
4: and then he woke up this morning and did a little snippet of his own saying i woke up and i was a winner
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love i love i love that story smug it's such a perfect encapsulation of you know why no one watches the oscars <laughs> right <laughs> okay so i'm googling this and it's
2: apparently anthony hopkins plays a father who has dementia so you know what this is just liberal bias yet again hollywood is voting for joe biden <laughs> they're just trying to swing this <laughs> they're normalizing yeah totally
4: and that's why he won <laughs> um what else
2: do we
3: got
4: we got we have something well the one that won was nomad nomad land with francis mcdormand did I've not never, watch that either i've never heard of it no
2: man land no, no, Nomadland.
4: Nomadland.
2: Lawrence of Arabia remake. That's my guess. <laughs> Never seen it. Lawrence of Arabia remake. What's the next on the? What's the next on the list? Then
4: there's another one called Mank.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've heard of that one. <laughs> I've heard of that one. Mank.
4: You know what it's yeah. about, Holmes?
3: Yeah, no, it's about a young woman who's surrounded by a town full of locals with a speech impediment. She she services the town folk basically. <laughs>
0: This this feels made
4: up. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure that's not what it what it's about. oh,
0: oh I thought that, that's a different
2: Oscar winning script right there.
4: Oh gosh. Anyway, there's a bunch of others that I don't think we read. Sound we, of metal. Sound of metal. There's sound of metal.
3: Yeah, that one was like a. I think that's a woodworker whose government clear cut the forest. So there you not- go got to put on horseshoes or something for the rest of his life. And it sort of sounds like metal.
2: You know, I'm starting to think really that a lot of these studios realized they couldn't have theaters. So just like throw out the movies that they knew no one would watch. Be like, just like get these out. The ones that are like in development, hell They're like fine. You know, let's just cut our losses, put out this film.
3: That's actually a good, it, that would be a good play if that's what they're doing, but yeah. they're not. I mean, these, look, th- we joke. Obviously the last two movies are not about what we said they were about, <laughs> but <laughs> All right, I do watched watch them. But, like, they odd to me because here's the thing. Like, there's no creativity. There's no – nobody's coming up with anything. They're just consumed with hate. They're consumed with their their liberal uh, virtue signaling and everything that they do. There, There's no, like, sense of, of good storytelling any longer. That's, like,
4: that's the thing. They're also just obsessed with being weird, like yeah. the octopus teacher. Like, just tell me <laughs> – just, like, tell me a good, normal – I don't know, love story. I don't know. Titanic? Maybe that's what it that is.
3: You film. never. Do you know that octopus? Uh,
2: whatever isn't a love story. That got that got the Kurt Eichenwald vote.
3: Hundred percent. Maybe that
4: is. I have not watched. I'm not going to watch anything about an octopus. I'll tell you that much. I
0: do. I do. I do think what it reveals, though, is like the utter contempt that Hollywood has for like the average American that actually pays to watch stuff. Because it's never the films we all like that get nominated for this stuff. Right. Right. No. No.
4: Godzilla, if that were I mean, the case, smug would nominate King Kong for yeah, sure.
2: Godzilla versus Kong, best picture, best <laughs> actor, Godzilla, hands down. Like, let's be serious, folks. Hands like, down. I, I think in the past year that's the that's the top grossing film. Like that'll tell you.
4: Yeah, I think you're right.
2: Oh.
0: I don't know. The last the last one I watched that I think won an Oscar was Parasite, which was pretty good. That was a couple years back. Yeah, that, but, that um, was a pretty good one. I don't think I've seen any other Oscar winners recently.
2: No. No.
3: Nope. So, Is there anything that, like, we can look forward to in Hollywood or anything? Is this just, like, boring? No, I just
4: feel like, unfortunately, we all like our celebs. It's like, we just want them to be pretty, rich, and party. And I feel like, yeah, the good old days. And now it's just everything is some sort of platform for some issue, and it's exhausting. Yeah,
2: it really is. Like, everyone has to deal with that all day long. When you see a movie, it's like, okay, I want to turn all that off. I want to actually. Yeah, but even, and even in their
4: spare time, even in their spare time, celebs aren't even fun anymore. No, no. That's the thing is that like, you
3: always thought that they were sort of performative, right? It was was always about if they're saying something about social justice or whatever, it's like, yeah, yeah. The studio head told them they needed to do it. That's right. No, whatever. Check the box. No, yeah, like these people are, are truly wacko.
4: It's yeah. like where this where, are the, where are the celebs that are getting caught stumbling out of the clubs. That's right? what we need to bring back.
3: I just want that Lohan, Paris Hilton, Britney Spears era.
4: era. Gosh, those, that was those, such those a good are the good era. old days. And, and old you
0: days. remember the like People magazine? I think it's People magazine that has oh. that like section on the cover, or not the cover, but um, celebrities. They're just like us.
4: Yeah, it's Us Weekly. Yeah, us celebs They're Week- just like us. I right. loved that one.
0: But I feel like. Celebrities are really not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at all like, like yeah. that. They've
2: never before been like so, such, such a gap. Such yeah. a gap. I mean, you noticed stand.
4: this. You guys probably didn't notice this, but I noticed this even as I was watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. They went from like this great reality show where all they did is go to like One Oak and party, and Scott Disick was all over the place. And now every single episode's about criminal justice reform or, yeah. you know, something other. It's like just. It's not oh. what I'm looking for for my entertainment. And it's probably exactly how guys feel about sports too. And girls, you know, it's like when you're watching a sports thing, I don't, I don't want to hear LeBron James's opinion on anything. Well, nope. I mean, I don't even really want to see him play because he's not that great. Booyah. Oh but, yeah.
3: <laughs> listen to that. Dumb. Yeah,
4: that's but. right. Get out of here, LeBron.
2: You MJ know what? And, and and that's probably why I love that uh, Michael Jordan documentary so much. It was yes. about the sport and the it was sport. about the guy. What a radical idea.
4: Yeah. And to y'all's point earlier, I mean, the quote, Republicans buy sneakers too. I feel like corporations need to remember that as well.
2: MJ so. knew. That's why he's the GOAT. Yep. He is the GOAT.
3: So hopefully, nothing what?
4: to look forward to at the moment, but I'm hoping some celeb goes off the track soon and I'll have something good to report.
3: I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for joining Thank us, you Hollywood. So much. Yep. All right, fellas. So one thing that we have to get to, it happened at the end of the last week. And the Washington Post's Glenn Kessler uh, decided the day after it was announced that Senator Tim Scott, who we've had here on the program, uh, was going to be giving the GOP response to President Biden's uh, joint congressional address. He drops what they titled a fact check on Tim Scott. That was anything but a fact check, and the and the goal of it was to try to discredit Tim Scott's history of his family. Basically, it's insane.
2: Like, I here's the thing: is it it was so out of pocket. He he was essentially in this article making the argument that uh, Tim Scott's black family in the Deep South, decades and decades and decades ago, had it easy. Yeah, like. <laughs> he was like listen tim scott talks about you know pulling himself up at the bootstraps but his family uh had land during the jim crow south <laughs> that was his argument like that was the, that was the fact check he was like fact check folks actually it was easy for for tim scott's family and then meanwhile so he gets this like insane backlash and then people start pulling up the receipts on kessler's family and it was just like not pretty not, not good. pretty not not good
3: not good well, you know, I mean, look, Kessler, first of all, Kessler made the tournament this year, Yeah. right? So yep. it's a body of work decision. And he had that before any of this came up. But then the decision to go with this was particularly noteworthy. Uh, a, because of the timing, right? It was just announced. Yeah. And and the, the amount of like, the conclusion of this is that he didn't give him any Pin- Pinocchios at all. It was like, oh, it's a judgment call. So why would you write it, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: totally and and it took it must have taken a long time to research all this unless you were just basically handed the opportunity. Right.
0: right and that's and that's the point right Holmes like yeah that's the, we're that's talking a, about genealogy records we're talking about wills we're talking about land records in the yeah. deep south and the jim crow era where you know they didn't really take the you know the most care of you know the the black residents records i'm sure but you're right i mean someone had to i would assume hand this to him right
3: yeah i mean it's so, like it goes the fact this is my favorite i'll just read like one sentence notwithstanding inconsistencies in the ages listed we believe we located lawrence ware who was born in 1861 the, 19, the 1870 census and the 1880 census uh report that i mean are you so That's how far browsing, he went back? And he was browsing, like, oh, yeah, it was total easy for these folks? What? Through in, in the 12 hours between it was announced that he was going to be the GOP responder and this thing hitting, he just was browsing through the late
2: 1800 census. <laughs> and, and the wild thing is he wouldn't quit. Like he kept trying to tweet the story out thinking – my theory is so what some folks try to do to escape the ratio is they will keep tweeting the same thing out. Yeah, and, and, and then like delete oh, spread that the tweet out the rage. That got, yeah, yeah
0: yeah spread out the, the outrage right yeah
2: and just like delete the ones that got super ratioed to be like <laughs> hey guys give up but no people just like kept letting him know you're a
0: terrible person. He just, just, can you imagine him sitting there tweeting it out and he's like one of the, one one of these is gonna be fine you know <laughs> one of these isn't
2: gonna get ratioed to hell. I mean he has like zero self awareness like this guy's family so like the history is incredibly wealthy family that that, that like put out or they they created royal dutch shell which like among other things supported the nazis and i guess his great uncle maybe did a nazi salute at some nazis funeral like very very bad stuff and the guy's a double ivy he went to an ivy for his undergrad he went to an ivy for his master's And, and this guy's like listen folks let me tell you a, a black family in Jim Crow era, super
0: easy, super easy. They don't know how privileged they are. I well, have to, I have to think that this was some sort of make good, right? Because to give to give Kessler a little bit of credit, he was one of the only people in the aftermath of the Georgia election law where he wrote a pretty sensible, sober analysis of the Georgia election reform bill. Yeah, where he was like, "Look, this this isn't Jim Crow," you know. Yeah. Yeah. But now he does a little bit of a heel turn here with this this number.
3: Well, he's got to get right. I mean, this is what we've talked about yep. since the beginning on this on this program, which is all of these media companies have built their subscriber base exclusively off the left-wing hate of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. right? That's the only reason they're profitable. And now that circulation is down 50%, that viewership on TV is down 50% for CNN, like all of these, they're taking huge dives. They're like, oh, man, how do we recreate the magic? So a guy like Kessler writes an honest take on the georgia election law gets skewered by the left so now he's got to have a make good well here it comes tim scott is your big opportunity and he throws this thing out there and he just got <laughs> roasted yeah.
2: i mean it's it's pretty sad but that is real it, it's pathetic but that's really how it is like if they see oh my gosh twitter is mad at me they learn real fast okay i, I gotta get back to to to, to what sells and, and what's sold in the first place is, okay, Trump is bad. Well, Trump's not there, folks. Now they're out of ideas. Good luck. Good
3: luck to you. My favorite, first of all, my favorite tweet. So somebody tweeted out, they were doing the whole like Nazi Kessler, you know, his family history and all that stuff. And I don't know what's true or not. I haven't researched it independently myself, but somebody put out a photo, you know, supposedly of his grandfather or something like that, that said it was like some Nazi And he felt compelled to respond. He said, there's a fake photo circulating on Twitter, supposedly of my grandfather. Folks, do your research. And then he goes on to explain who his grandfather is. Uh, Red Steez, our boy Miller, (laughs) retweets him and says, yeah, it sucks when people dig into your past and falsely mislabel the
2: accomplishments of your family. (laughs) Right? Right? I mean, that's like karma coming back very, very fast. The immediate boomer. Very fast.
3: <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, well, we've got a big interview, Smug.
2: I'm, uh, it's a huge interview.
3: Yeah, we were able to sit down with a Jeep who has concluded his chairmanship of the Federal Communications Commission. and. If you follow this stuff closely, you know that this guy was as active as it gets. He wasn't a placeholder. he spent an awful lot of time studying and and, and doing his homework. So if you ever got the opportunity, he could, he could really take charge. And he did an absolutely incredible job. Plus, he's that whale of a guy.
2: Yeah. Dude, I mean, not only was he a very capable FCC commissioner, but he's truly a dude you want to have a beer with. Totally. Sunday with football, I just buy right there on the couch. Let's get to it. I want to
3: welcome to the program somebody that we absolutely love. He's been prolific on social media, but he's also the greatest FCC commissioner in the history of the world.
2: Ajit Pai, welcome to the program.
1: Oh, Josh, thanks so much. It's such an honor and I appreciate the kind words and good to be with you too, Smug.
2: Yeah, thank you for coming on. I was telling Josh earlier, uh, when I told a couple of buddies that we'd be having you on the show, I got more questions to ask for you than anyone we've interviewed so far. So I'm excited about this one
1: oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to reveal my grand new plan to destroy the internet once and for
2: all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, you know, that probably leads into the first question I'd want to know is how hard do you want to spike the football on net neutrality? Because at this point, oh. were we supposed to all be dead and the internet like well, closed? Or of, I
3: guess we're some of the few, few survivors of net yeah. neutrality. Yeah. Right? No, I mean,
1: uh, very few of us survived the great net neutrality apocalypse of 2017 and 2018. And so it's up to those survivors to keep telling the story. And, uh, <laughs> no, I, I really do want to speak the football. Every now and then I'll go on Twitter and just do a search. And it's amazing to see how many of these young people uh, will tweet out, Hey, remember, what was the name of that dude who tried to destroy the internet? Whatever happened to that? Or, uh, you know, what, how, nothing ever came of it. it was, you know, what, what's going on here? And it's yeah. like, I'm so tempted to quote tweet all of them or screenshot it just to say Like you guys were sold a bill of goods by everyone from Alyssa Milano to Bernie Sanders. And like, none of it came true. And yeah, we did the right thing despite all the heat we took for it back in 2017, 2018.
3: So that was, that was truly remarkable. I I couldn't even the level of hyperbole out of the left as to what you were doing in comparison to what it actually was, was just
2: unbelievable. I mean, there were so folks who don't remember, there was this push, especially from the left saying that like, uh, with net neutrality, you're going to have to pay $10 per Google search, and Netflix is going to be like $200 a month. Like, it was really bananas, the stuff they were coming up with.
1: Oh, and the funny thing now is that some of those hardcore net neutrality advocates who said, We really need net neutrality to prevent these network operators, these internet service providers from blocking access to content. Now they're turning around and telling social media, We want companies, we want you to block. All of these conservative accounts that we don't like so we can squelch speech on the internet. So it's kind of funny 180 that they've done now. It's There's no rhyme or reason to any of this. It's just political power is what they're after at the end of the day.
2: Well, here's an example. So along those lines, if you were, let's say, today, a left-wing FCC commissioner, uh, what would you do at the FCC to implement those kinds of speech restrictions?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I think, yeah, certainly they favor going back to the strict net neutrality rules that were adopted in the Obama administration. But when it comes to the social media companies, I mean, the FCC legally doesn't have a direct role in regulating them. So I'm not sure what they'd want to do. I mean, I think, uh, yeah, it's a good question. They'd probably wait for Congress to pass legislation giving them that, that power. And uh, there's a big debate in Congress, obviously, about what to do with these companies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's always easy f- uh, to punt uh, and wait for Congress to take action if it does.
3: Yeah, I mean it's just it's remarkable to me. Well, first of all, if they respected their authority confined into the office, I would I would actually appreciate that, that right? That would be be a nice change of face. (laughs) But what's so interesting about this entire debate to me is partisans on both sides agree that they want to absolutely attack tech for diametrically the opposite reasons, (laughs) right? Yeah. Is there ever a point? where right meets left, that they actually do something that they could agree upon? Or is this just a lot of noise?
1: I, you know, I've been wondering that myself. I mean, thus far, it seems to be a lot of noise. But the one thing that I tried to do, which, of course, net neutrality swallowed up so much of the oxygen and didn't get as much airtime, was just trying to make sure that everyone at least had access to the internet. You know, we all... So some of us sit here in a relatively wealthier enclaves in urban areas and just tweet and talk about how you know terrible the world is. But there are millions of Americans out there who don't have access at all. And so we did a lot over the four years to close that digital divide. And you know, that's where I think American consumers' interest really lies in making sure that everyone has access. But uh, you know, these days, at least, people are more interested in just bashing the other side. So I, you know it doesn't really seem to get a lot of airplay.
3: Yeah, we, we always joke that uh, the left tried to break the internet because Donald Trump won, basically. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. My God. No, I, I still I keep a screenshot of the Bernie Sanders tweet that was put out on December 14th of 2017 that because of my evil plan, this is the end of the internet as we know it, quote Incredible. unquote. Uh, yeah, Incredible. Like if only, I mean, my God, I'm still getting you know tweets and whatnot uh, from Bill, all these people like, yeah, hey, you really killed the internet over the internet, of course. So it's just a delicious irony.
3: Totally. So, so the thing that I, um, I think most people are confused about because everybody has a certain level of animosity with information flow and, you know, obvious left-leaning partisan bias in so many different ways. Um, and there was a discussion towards the end of the Trump administration about modifying it or, or eliminating S2 or, or 230. essentially. Yeah. And you engaged in that in a substantive way, uh, it, but the clock kind of ran out. On you, right. on what you'd ultimately do. So, I mean, I'm curious. Like, what what would you have done if you had extra years to deal with it? Yeah, I mean, I think oh, I had
1: a very open mind, and uh, you know, the statement I put out in October of 2020 was very straightforward. That Section 230 is a part of the Communications Act. The FCC administers the Communications Act, and it followed from that, our, as according to our general counsel, that the FCC had the authority to decide. What do these terms mean in Section 230? When an online provider is acting in good faith or takes down content it considers to be otherwise objectionable, what do those terms mean? They're not self-defined, and so that's all we were looking to inquire into: is you know, should we put meat on those bones? Uh, and so, if there, if we hadn't moved forward, that's one of the things we would have considered: is you know, should we? Is there a role for the FCC here in putting the meat on the bones? And uh, it's just amazing the firestorm on the other side it raised when. The the new president, President Biden himself, has campaigned on getting rid of Section 230 altogether. So all we were doing is simply saying, let's figure out what the law says. He was saying, get rid of the law altogether. So it's kind of funny that we were getting blowback uh, for taking, (laughs) just opening the door when he was looking to smash the door down and get rid of it altogether.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was referring to in the right meets left. It just seems like a bunch of noise because, of course, Biden wants to eliminate it because, Conservatives have actually the ability of going beyond mainstream media and posting their point of view, right? Whereas the right has a problem and they've heavily filtered and provide, you know, in some cases, elimination of accounts that they agree with, uh, that they don't agree with, I should say. So, yeah, it just seems to me like I, I have a hard time seeing how they resolve all
1: this. I, I have no idea either. I mean, I, I, there's no way you're going to get 60 votes in the Senate. I don't right. think for, I mean, or assuming the filibuster still around, which of course <laughs> but yeah. it's on the chopping block these days too. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think they, as you said, they come to this problem for t- completely different reasons and that's going to make it really hard to come up with a compromise.
3: Yeah. No question about it.
2: So I had a really great question sent to me. Um, there's a lot of concern, uh, among tech companies specifically or among consumers or or the public with the relationship that tech companies have with China, for example. Um, So what do you see the future of the relationship between these multinational tech companies and U.S. regulators? And what's the best way to keep American interests at the front of mind uh, of of these big tech companies?
1: It's a great question. And that's one of the things I highlighted uh, early on back in 2017. So before it was cool, I pointed out that Apple, even though it was favoring very strict net neutrality regulations at the same time the ceo had given a speech about how they wanted to enter the chinese market how they were doing different things to work with china to ensure that its products and services weren't offensive to the chinese communist party and to me at least i understand the temptation that china is a huge market you 4x the united states rising country in terms of per capita income etc but at the same time this is a country of values and one of those mm-hmm. values we share is in believing in things like free speech and the ability to have personal autonomy and things like that so you know the fact that the chinese communist party is detaining or imprisoning three million uyghurs mm-hmm. for no reason other than identity kind of a problem so <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, to, to me at least and so i would think that those companies who are always talking in the united states at least about the importance of human rights would embrace that as a universal value, and you know, think about it. But you know, I think it's going to be a challenge for regulators uh, as well. You know, the FCC doesn't directly here regulate companies like Apple either. But one of the things I tried to do when it came to 5G, the next generation of wireless mm-hmm. technology, was to ensure that all companies were thinking about security and the risks of dealing with Chinese companies like Huawei and ZTE. Uh, you know, once you go down that road, it's very difficult to change course. So we've got to be very, very strategic about our thinking and. Make no mistake about it, the Chinese Communist Party has a very determined worldview when it comes to tech. Mm-hmm. They want to dominate the world. They see tech as an avenue for doing that. And if they can co-opt American companies, it makes their job much, much easier.
3: No question. I mean, so I feel like you were one of the few people who understood this at a base level. I mean, I look, I think getting consistency out of corporate America is pretty difficult here, right? You can be against the Voting Rights Act in Georgia, but somehow have a pro- have no problem at all with what's happening with concentration camps in, in China. I mean, there's just all kinds of mess. But, but the one thing that seems to be that you focused on right away is, is China's focus on technology because it is quite obviously going to be controlling almost every aspect of life across the globe, right? And so whoever controls the infrastructure of technology, mm-hmm. controls everything, right? At least that's the view of the Chinese, it seems.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, if you look at every one of these key technologies, 5G, artificial intelligence, quantum computing, you name it, I mean, they're pouring directly, the government's pouring directly resources into those technologies, their development in China. And they're also subsidizing their companies like Huawei and ZTE when they compete abroad. And that was one of the frustrating things when I would go on some of these trips to other countries from Bahrain to Israel, to Germany, to Malaysia, that I would speak to some of these government officials and they say, well, look, you know, the Chinese companies are coming in with say 30, 40, 50% cheaper bids, partly because of Chinese Communist Party subsidies. So I understand what you're saying about security, but that's a lot of money. To that's a big premium to pay for more secure infrastructure. So, I think we need to think about it strategically as well. Uh, yeah, to me, at least, I can't. I don't know how you put a price on security. It's obviously one of the key values of any network. But, uh, but you know, I think we really have, we're behind the eight ball in some ways because they just have a very concerted worldview and the ability uh, to carry out that worldview. And it's unfortunate.
3: Yeah. The good the good news is you got a cheaper price. The bad news is they know what's in your underwear drawer.
1: It, it's just unbelievable. I mean, all of these stories you would see about the I have a running thread, as you might know, on Twitter called yeah. You Don't Say, where every single story I see about what the CCP is up to, I'll just append with that little quote tweet you don't say. And it's just it's now like 300 tweets long over a year and a half, almost mm-hmm. two years. And like I, I just fundamentally think that we still haven't grappled with the fact that they're behaving strategically. These aren't isolated incidents. We need to think of it that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no question. I, I actually had folks send me that uh, just wanting to applaud you because, for folks at home who don't know, um, when Mr. Pai was at the FCC, they designated Huawei and ZTE as companies posting, posing a national security threat. And as a result, telecom companies couldn't use money from the Universal Service Fund on equipment provided by them, which is yeah. a huge way huge. to curtail. Huge.
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad to say we successfully prodded Congress as well, because we already had some Huawei and ZTE equipment that was incorporated into our networks during the Obama years. And uh, we got Congress to finance the removal of that equipment. And if you think about where that equipment is, just virtually in rural areas, say the Mountain West, Midwest, and you think about some of the strategic facilities we've got there, we need to get that stuff out. And so uh, at the tail end of my tenure, Congress allocated funding for that purpose, thank goodness. So Uh, You know, I wasn't going to sit there and mark time. We really wanted to make a difference, even if it ruffled feathers. And I can't think of a better issue to ruffle those feathers than
2: security of this country. Outstanding.
3: Yeah. Well, look, one of the reasons why you were so successful is you got a great sense of humor. You're able (laughs) able to keep it light. If you don't follow Ajit on Twitter, you got to follow him immediately because there's (laughs) just like, I mean, one tweet after another brings you to your knees. I love the bedtime tweets. Absolutely (laughs) Disgusting whatever.
1: It's so, but that stuff has taken on a life of its own. Like originally, it was me just finding random weird uh, content and putting it out there, but now I'll get all these DMs and side tweets like, "Hey, you might want to think about this one for sweet dreams uh, tonight." And uh, so that's why I'm getting a lot more hat tips than I used to. But you no, know, when it comes to social media, though, Josh, you and Smug are the masters. I'm just, you know, I- I'm one of the young Padawan trying to keep <laughs> up with you. You just, uh, you guys are amazing. That's truly really an honor. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, Smug, I think Hugh Hewitt called Smug the Rush Limbaugh of Twitter. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Oh, I'll take a,
2: it. I'll take it. I had the Guardian tell me I'm a lawyer. I've been told I'm Rush Limbaugh. I have a, a, a multitude of, of roles.
3: <laughs> Ruthless has done some great things for
2: Smug's resume. Right? Oh, that's right. incredible.
1: Yeah, between that and Smug Industries, I'm sure it's been a wild
2: ride. <laughs> Absolutely. So the last thing, this is kind of an important thing I want to get into, is um, how crushing was it for you to watch Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs Oh, man, lose the Super Bowl? I knew. I
1: knew. <laughs> Honestly, that's the only area I can think of where Smug and I are definitively and irretrievably on other sides. Is. Like, yeah, because obviously he's a big Broncos fan. But I, no, it sucked, man. Like I knew, I, I was really worried uh, when Tampa Bay won the NFC Championship because if you watch that game, I mean, they just really took the wood to Green Bay. Like that touchdown that Brady threw right before the first half. It's like, man, they aren't screwing around you know? here. Yeah. Like, they're really yeah. real. And on the defensive side, too, I was watching them because we had lost a number of linemen. All five of our linemen in the Super Bowl were essentially replacements. Yeah, we I was well. watching Tampa Bay's line during the, the NFC Championship. Like, how on earth are we going to match up here? And sure enough, Patrick was running for his life. And, you know, all credit to Bruce Arians and the team and you know, the GOAT, of course, Tom himself. Like, they yeah. had a great game plan. We even lost on special teams, for God's sake, I mean, against Tampa Bay. So, in a way, it wasn't actually a bad game to watch because I never – I never had hope that we were going to be in it in a weird way. If we'd lost with the last second field goal, then I'd be sitting here just, uh, you know, tearing my hair out. But uh, all credit to them. Hopefully we'll come back stronger this year. And, uh, man, that was rough, though. But I'm sure for the Bronco Nation. uh, Yeah,
2: yeah, it was was, was a a highlight. Even though we've had a rough few years, (laughs) at least least Kansas City didn't win. He takes pleasure in pain, folks. (laughs) I don't think that's a mystery to anybody.
1: Uh, but no, you guys had such a great run, man. Like, I still – I grew up in the era when Elway was kicking our ass right. twice a year. And, you know, just – it sucked. Like, I, I hated playing the Broncos. And I still remember uh, Monday Night Football in 1995 was one of the rare games that we snuck out. And I remember calling my cousin, was also a Kansas City fan, and we were, like, high-fiving. And looking back on it now, it's so kind of pathetic. Like, who cares about a game in October against – you know, but it was so rare for us to beat you guys. And uh, so,
2: anyway. I, I remember, uh, that was a big one. That was a big uh, Willie one. Willie
3: Davis scoring the touchdown in the last second. <laughs> See,
2: no I watch know. It. What? Not that I'm
3: counting. You've got the exact same thing. I do. I'm a, I'm a Viking. grew grew up a Viking oh. fan, right? So I'm in the same situation as you, Ajit. The only difference is you guys have actually won Super Bowls. My heart's broken on an annual basis.
1: <laughs> well, you know, unfortunately, we, bro- we beat you guys, right? Super Bowl three, I think. Oh, right? yeah. 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 But, uh,
3: Hank Strange. You know, to me, at
1: least, one of the greatest teams in all professional sports never to have won the championship was the 98 Minnesota 98. Vikings. 98. And that team was destroying Insane. people. I mean, yeah.
3: it, uh, I sometimes it wonder
1: if Minnesota had played Denver in that Super Bowl, what would have
3: happened? I, I was wait all year, everybody was waiting for that matchup. Right. Oh. And and then uh, Gary Anderson, who'd hit 38 consecutive field goals, a perfect record on the season, oh. was wide left. And, uh, and she, that was all she wrote. But, you know, we could talk football forever. But <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your your investment because it feels very familiar to me.
1: Between real life football and fantasy football, I think it drives my wife crazy. She's like, "How can you remember these random, pointless stats that you know, like who the third string running back on Jacksonville is?" But you can't remember basic things like the trash goes out Sunday night or. (laughs) I'm just telling you, like I don't know. The male brain is oriented around the accumulation and calling up of totally useless data points, right? Like that's what we—that's like in our DNA.
3: Well, welcome to ruthless. That's what we do here, pretty
1: much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god.
3: So now is your wife, how does she feel about the fact you just been hanging around the house for the last couple of months?
1: I mean, for my part, it's been great being an unemployed civilian. Uh, for her, it's given her a chance to, you know, give me an opportunity to tick off all those items on the list that, yeah. you know, hey, honey, can you do this drywall? There you go. Oh, man, I'm running this agency. I'm so busy. I'm <laughs> so sorry about that. But, you know, starting January 21st, the excuses were gone. So, uh, right. yeah, I've been put to good use, uh, you know, making dinners and mowing lawns and doing work around the house, that kind of thing. And so, uh, but hopefully the next adventure will start soon and uh, you know I'll be back to having my excuses for getting out of housework
3: yeah well we're every time there's a big FCC issue we want to have you back because you, I feel like you're the only person in the world that can explain this stuff in an English language every, everybody else exactly. I feel like my eyes glaze over and I fall off my chair within the first 30 seconds <laughs> I'm happy to come on any time, and I know there's so many of these
1: different issues that you know, five G, and rural broadband, and AI, and whatnot. I'm always happy to come on and uh, speak with you guys.
3: Let me before we get into our final three questions. What's the biggest issue that you wish you had time to tackle that you didn't, you weren't able to get to? Yeah, you know,
1: honestly, not a single one. Yeah, uh, you know, I told my team in December 16, January 17. Uh, I wanted to leave, I wanted to just walk off the field whenever my time was, just taking a swing at every single thing. And so by the end, there honestly was nothing left uh, on our agenda that we didn't want to do. That was always, I canvassed all of my predecessors, all my living predecessors, going all the way back to Newt Minow, President Kennedy's chairman. Oh, I asked them, wow. well, yeah, he's great. I mean, really good source of counsel. And I said, well, what was, did you have any regrets uh, from your chairmanship? And consistently what they would say is, oh, I wish we had done one more thing or, you know, I wish we'd been bold enough to take on the heat for this particular issue that I cared about. I didn't want that to happen. And that's part of the reason why it was a pretty tumultuous four years is that we were swinging for the fences. And when you do that, people on the opposing team are going to want to fight back. But to me, it was important to be able to leave saying, uh, I feel fulfilled uh, with everything we did. And I think we delivered unbelievable value for the American consumer. And so, I'm kind of happy with the record we had uh, as Gandalf said to uh, Frodo in Lord of the Rings. So, you know, when Frodo's complaining about having the burden of the ring and Fro- Gandalf says, you know, that's not for you to decide. All that's left for you to decide is what to do with the time that's given to you. And that's, that's sort perfect. of the thing that's like imbued among my team is we're given limited uh, time in these positions. So make the most of it. You know, don't leave with any regrets. And I don't think we did.
2: Yeah. I'm sure our listeners at Founders Fund will appreciate the Lord of the Rings reference thrown in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. I think Josh hit him with the hit him with the closing questions.
3: Yeah, all right. So these are the big ones. Everybody gets tuned into. And the first question is your last meal on Earth. What would it be?
1: Oh man. So I think it would be a melange of stuff. Um, okay. So I'll start from the end. I would definitely want as a dessert a gulab jamun, this entirely yes. healthy Indian dessert, essentially fried dough balls in rosewater syrup. I mean, just you, know, you have to have your cardiologist on speed dial. For <laughs>
3: Now, when the last meal. Now, when the last <laughs> meal.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> that could be the last meal, but uh, working backward, right, I'd love to have, yeah, steak au pois with a nice uh, sort of cognac sauce on the side. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, my God, that would be fantastic then. uh Yeah, for a starter, I mean, i it's I just kind of random to have as a starter, but just to round things out, it was just some of my favorite sushi, I guess. Uh, you know, I love uh, you know, certain kinds of uh, yellowtail uh, with a nice. Uh, yeah, can a ponzu soy sauce. Oh, that'd be amazing. So. Yeah,
2: might as well go on with some surf and turf.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: comprehensive, I don't know. lovely answer. Yeah, that's that. That's I think that's one of the best ones we've had.
3: There is oh. nothing that I would disagree with. There, I feel like that is well thought through, my friend.
1: Well, and for the record, I did not list of vegetables. So you know, what's
3: no, well, your last? <laughs> yeah, right. Last meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you probably have a chance to to answer this in real life uh, with whatever your next move might be. But if you weren't involved in any of this, any of the public service that you've been involved with, what would you be doing with your life? Oh man! So my uh, my
1: dream answer would be replacing Judge Judy. I love Judge Judy, <laughs> and I, I I've watched her with my mom for almost thirty years now, and. Oh, my God, to have the ability to render judgment on all these small claims cases would be fantastic. I would love to do that. But is- barring something like that. Uh, no, Yeah, I met her actually a couple of years ago with my mom. Uh, I, I knew I was going to be in L.A. for some meetings. And I kind of pulled a couple strings and uh, got to meet with the judge. And I called my mom on a Friday. I was meeting Judge Judy on a Friday. I called my mom on a Friday and said, you're not going to believe this. I'm going to see Judge Judy. So she's she was, was a doctor at the time. She canceled all of her patients for Monday, flew to LA on Sunday night, and was with me Monday morning. And uh, afterward, she never said anything, but my uh, some of the aunties in our family, like, oh, she, she's so proud of you. You got her <laughs> in to see Judge Judy. Like, Amazing. She never said anything about you know being nominated by two presidents or you know, having this important job. Well, da-da. if you can't
2: be a doctor, at least you got her to meet Judge Judy, right? So exactly, then your mother right? is on. sort
1: of the, <laughs> yeah. One of the markers for a mom mom's success, I guess, uh, for a kid. <laughs> But no, the other answer would be, uh, this is kind of random, but a conductor. I always dreamed of being a symphony conductor. I played the violin growing up. And oh, wow. love classical music. And uh, oh, man, every now and then, whenever I hear a piece, I'll sometimes think, man, if I could be like Leonard Bernstein up there directing the orchestra, that would be awesome to do. So he, like uh, this
3: one. is illustrated perfectly why it is that we have this question, right? When you have a <laughs> yeah. question that's answered with two answers that I never would have never. guessed in a million years. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we know you so much better. The Judge Judy thing is, I mean. Oh, she's amazing. I I (laughs) I told her to her face, in my view, you, not
1: the Supreme Court in Washington, you sit on the highest court in the land. I think she appreciated that.
3: (laughs) She probably, I I imagine she thought you were punking her in some ways. Like here you've got the chairman of the FCC. Oh, my God. To get in Judge Judy's courtroom.
1: No, I, I, it was great.
3: I and mean, you bird, the bailiff. If, I don't know if you watch the
1: show, but I mean, bird, he's, even though he's like this gruff dude and never says anything behind the scenes, he's the funniest guy I've ever met. And, uh, but no, I, I told her, uh, you yeah, know, look, you know, if you had to take a poll of whether people would want to be governed by judge Judy or the nine justices of the Supreme court, how do you think they'd come out? I think she'd probably win. Yeah. I
2: mean, Supreme that's court. still like one of the most watched, like she's one of the highest paid folks on television. Like, Oh, that's, that's been going great. strong for a while.
1: No, it's and some of her one-liners. I mean, just you know, I mean, <laughs> just so great. You know, like, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining, or you know, on your smartest day, you're not as smart as me in my dumbest day. Like, just all this, oh my god, the tough love she administers is so good.
3: There's genuine love there. I can feel it.
1: I yeah no, I've I've told her before. You know, it's uh, if I ever have the chance, I would love to don the robe.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So here's the final question. And it's a it's a what gets to the core of you and what motivates you question. So the question is, what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And the way that you kind of process these things is that, you know, there's like the hopeful optimist sort of thrill of victory just and really enjoys the, the victorious side of things or like the Michael Jordans of the world who are just miserable unless they're winning right? So it's the thrill of victory, agony of defeat. What's yours?
1: I'm probably more of a thrill of victory guy. I have to say that uh, I just tend to be optimistic by nature. Mm -hmm. And I I just really have this belief. I know it sounds cheesy, but, you know, my parents came to the United States 50 years ago next month, actually, with $8, a transistor radio, and just a belief that the American dream would be within reach. And I've always had this belief in my core that they, they came for a reason that, you know, God meant to, for us to be able to have this opportunity, me and my sister to have this opportunity for a reason and to make the most of it. And to, so I've always just had that sunny view that, uh, you know, if I try my best, then anything's possible in this country. And yeah, I've obviously had my share of defeats too, but I use that more as motivation to try harder next time. And uh, so I, oh, man, I mean, Jordan obviously is one of the greatest competitors ever, but I don't know if I could do <laughs> I could psychologically do that just to, find something that you know pisses me off and then you're like hey and i took that personally <laughs> yeah, like, yeah that'd <laughs> just be very hard for me to do so we'll you'll
3: appreciate this as someone who knows mcconnell pretty well he came on the program a couple uh-huh. of months ago and he tried to sell us that he was a thrill of victory guy
1: oh man yeah. I've, I've got the long game sitting here somewhere on the uh, like i've read the long game <laughs> no, 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 no.
3: It's, yeah. yeah it's not <laughs> a thrill of victory guy
1: <laughs> oh, he's just the great No, I, I owe so much to him. I and mean, I've told him this repeatedly. I'm sure he's sick of hearing it, but you know, he gave me my shot in 2012, 2011 uh, to join the FCC. And as commissioner, he had confidence in me and he saw something in me that I probably didn't even see in myself. So, you know, I really thank the leader uh, for you know giving me this chance and, uh, yeah, he's just been a tremendous supporter over the years.
3: Well, listen, there, we are all grateful and very lucky that you chose public service for as long as you did. You were absolutely amazing in your job and did a world of service for this country. So, so thank you for that.
1: Uh, thanks so much, Josh and Smug. It's been a pleasure, and uh, uh, let's keep the conversation going. Again, anytime you want me to come back, happy to do it. And for the record, I kept it clean.
3: Yes,
2: you did. <laughs> thank That's you. Good. Yeah, thank you
3: for that too. <laughs> All right, we'll take care. You too. So, I mean, he's just a compelling guy. I, I love I love talking to him. Every time I get a chance to talk to him, I love talking to him.
2: And and I like how, uh, you know, I wish he would dunk more about the net neutrality because it was really bonkers for a while there, how the left was like, okay, people are going to die. You're going to have to pay $50 for every Google search. And here we are. None of that came true. And that's just across the board. That's how they roll. They always try to scare everybody into thinking it's the end of the world, and it's not. They're wrong, and they never have to be called out on it, and he did an amazing job while he was there.
3: There's also a, just an, a ton of different very complicated FCC issues that actually have pretty grave consequences for the American people that like, are not easily Translated into podcast form. But I feel like Ajit always has the capability of doing that. And I love the fact that he agreed that he'd come back and explain some of this stuff to us when we need it.
2: Right. Yeah. That's the thing. That's why the folks listen to the program to get entertained and informed.
3: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, fellas, listen, what a program. I, I just love the beginning. We're going to sway on into Miami. Let uh, smug do his thing and you serenade him on the way dunks
0: yeah you know i'm happy to to lend my pipes to the program and i look forward to a dispatch from miami on the thursday episode i i hope there's a lot of color like i hope i hope you can really get some good stories while you're down there i'm excited so on that
2: note folks i'll see you down there in miami but until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see you on thursday Stay ruthless.